This is episode 728 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, Tangible Investments for Preppers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found in the show notes. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top 10 preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top 10 articles from Prepper website sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top 10 are in the show notes. But even if you're not wanting to get the top 10, you should still visit my link and see what I'm doing over there. I'm using Buy Me a Coffee as my social media and connecting with listeners there. And I got to tell you, there is a special announcement I'll make on Buy Me a Coffee tomorrow. It might be tomorrow evening, but for those in the preparedness community, you would have heard it first there. All right, so on to a couple of reviews, two reviews this week on the same day. Man, I was like on cloud nine. The first one is from K8 World. And K8 says, when I first stumbled upon the show, it was March of 2020. And I decided I'm going to stock up on supplies to prevent ever running out of toilet paper again. I was looking for the best in basic preparedness supplies. I found Todd and he instantly drew me in with his calm approach to preparedness in a chaotic time and his wealth of knowledge after doing it for many years. I was so interested in his learning experience during the snowmageddon in Texas and enjoyed hearing his voice throughout it all, highlighting his preparedness strengths and a few areas he could improve on. I enjoy my Monday mornings listening every week and feel like he's just an old-time friend. Thanks, Todd, for teaching me so much of what I know about preparedness today. God bless. Great review there. Thank you so much for leaving that, K8. And, um, you know, I, I know... I think I know a lot about preparedness because I've been doing it for so long, but there's still so much to know and so much to learn. And again, that's why I'm so grateful to the email group when I, uh, you know, I, I've been saying that and people are like, Todd, you closed the email group. I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm going to open it up a little bit later on. Um, I'm just, you know, looking for that time to be able to do it so I can kind of do it all at one time. There's a lot of things going on right now, right? And so um, you'll you'll hear more about that maybe if you go to buy me a coffee on Monday. Anyway, so um, there's uh, it baffles me to get all that great preparedness content that other people are sharing in the email group. So I greatly appreciate them over there. All right, so this next one comes to us from Jeremiah in Canada. So shout out to my friends in Canada. Uh, Jeremiah says, I've checked most podcasts for prepping, and this is the best program I've seen. Useful, practical, realistic, straight to the point. No intro music, purely learning for beginners and for advanced preppers. Thanks, Todd. Jeremiah, thanks so much for that review. I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, I being a person that listens to podcasts himself, it's one of those things where, you know, the intro music, and sometimes people have like this super long intro music. And I'm like, come on, just like, you're supposed to really like hit the intro music and then fade right into, you know, the, I guess the episode or the, you know, the, the host coming on, but sometimes people just go really long on that. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of do the podcast the way that I would want to hear a podcast, I guess, if that makes sense. 
All right, a couple of shouts out because I left a, well, I didn't leave. A couple of episodes back, I talked about supporting, I think it was a promotional, supporting other people in the preparedness community and just, you know, getting them out there so other people can hear about it. So I received a couple of emails recently. The first one was from Brad and he was pointing out Susanna Sherman and her podcast called Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. And so uh, again, that's Red Hot Chili Prepper. Um, it took me a little while to find for it to pop up on my podcast catcher, but it did eventually. And so uh, I listened to the episode on everybody kind of being stalled out on, I think it was I-90 or I-95. I can't remember exactly which one, where everyone is kind of, you know, it, it snowed and everybody was stuck. And a lot of great advice there that she that she provided. And uh, she has a co-host. I can't remember the co-host name, but good information over there. So if you're looking for an, another uh, preparedness podcast, go check out Red Hot Chili Prepper. I also heard from Big Aussie Prepper. So I think it says uh, the nerdiest prepper uh, the nerdiest prepper online or something like that. Uh, he's based out of Australia and he said he'd, he'd taken a little break from uh, doing podcasts recently. He's got about 28 episodes. Um, his last one was on May 2021. So, okay, big Aussie prepper. Time to kick it back into gear and get that preparedness content out there for other people to find you. Now, I had a little bit harder time finding big Aussie prepper. I had to go to the link on the website to go ahead and listen to him, but I, he's on Spotify. There is an RSS link. So eventually you can grab the RSS link and drop it into your podcast catcher and that, and that will grab it there. And so hopefully you will go check out big Aussie prepper and big Aussie prepper. will start making some more episodes. That'll be, that'll be a good thing. And then I heard from Darren over at mayhem country living. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got over 2000 videos. I went and checked him out. He's got videos on everything. And so a lot of great information out there. You got to go check out Darren. You know, um, one of those things, if you're a YouTube creator, if you are preparing video content and, you know, some, some of these YouTube creators are doing it almost daily, but if there is content that uh, doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't have to view it, right? If you can, if it's, if you can just have that audible version, I highly recommend bringing all those uh, you know, those, the, all that audio down and throwing it up in a free podcast, uh, host, you know, there's a lot out there like anchor. You can th throw it in anchor. You got to deal with the, the ads because that's how they provide free, uh, podcast hosting, but you can throw it in there. And so I highly recommend that. I mean, that's what I have done for some of the, uh, the episodes and the videos that I have done, uh, online, you know, and we always have the one with Brian and, and Mick, and we got to do another one of those again, but I always bring that audio down and, and do it on the, uh, on the podcast. And I think those are really helpful. So, um, Darren, I want to encourage you to do that if you can, but if, uh, if not guys, if you like YouTube, you, you go watch YouTube videos, go check out mayhem country living. I'm going to have links to all of these in the show notes so you can easily go over there and check them out. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode. So I want to say first, before anything, these are not my, uh, th these are not my articles. These are written by a friend of mine, PJ Graves, who she has uh, started writing and providing content out there for the preparedness community and really not just the preparedness community, but she's written three articles and has sent them to me and I posted them on preparedness or preparedchristian.com. And so 
she's given me three uh, uh, three articles so far and they're all really great articles they all i mean the real the the catch here is tangible tangible investments in an uncertain economy and so she covers three big topics here and i think they're very very valuable now here's the thing PJ is doing this also because uh, there's doing a little bit of a side business as well. So she's going to have her own website. Um, she has her own store. And I'll talk you talk to you a little bit uh, about that here in a minute. She also has her own uh, email list that she's starting. And with the type of articles that she's writing and the information that she's providing, really practical preparedness stuff, I would highly recommend that you go sign up for her emails. And uh, I, again, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So we're going to go ahead and tackle this because I think in the economy that we're in, I think this is going to be one of the biggest things. I mean, food storage is big and, you know, having food, being prepared, the basic preparedness, all of that, um, it touches every single one of our lives. But I think also where we are right now with uh, inflation going up and prices going up, uh, shortages and all those things, that's touching our lives as well. Now, somebody on the email list talked about they went to the grocery store and they bought a few items and they came out and it was like $87. And I, that was, you know, what, what actually there was two people who did that and I was going to respond. I hadn't responded yet, but the same thing happened to me. I mean, I went to the grocery store this uh, Saturday. I always go Saturday mornings and there was nobody. I, the temperature dropped like really, really low. And I say really low. Those of you up north, you know, like y'all would be down here in t-shirts and shorts or whatever. But it was like you know, 34 degrees, and so that's that's kind of cold for us, especially when we've been dealing with 70 degree weather, and then it just you know we get a 40 degree swing or 30 degree swing all of a sudden. It's uh, kind of crazy for us, and maybe you can hear me kind of stopped up dealing with all this. I need the weather to just kind of make up its mind and see what the, what it's going to do. If we're going to have winter, let's let's do winter, right? Um, so uh, anyway, so there was hardly anybody there because I think it, the temperatures dropped so much. There's one guy. It's really funny. I got to tell you this story. There's one guy who is always in there at the same time. Like I, I am almost like want to go up to him like, hey, are you why are you doing this? I, I think he like he wears a mask and, I, you know, he tries to stay by to himself. And we always make eye contact with each other because we're always there at the same time. You know, right when the store opens on Saturday mornings. But I think he's dealing, maybe he's trying to help a family member who is maybe immune, uh, you know, deficient or whatever. That's probably not the right word, but they're probably taking care of somebody who is, uh, could get sick. So, cause he's always wearing a mask and things like that, but it's the same person all the time. And, uh, I think that's kind of funny. So, uh, you start having your regulars that you run into. So he was there, but there was a lot of people that weren't there. Although there aren't a lot of people there on Saturday mornings. I mean, if that makes sense, if I'm making any kind of sense. All right. So anyway, you, you go and you see the prices going up. And I had the same kind of thing happen to me, man. We went out there. I didn't have a very big list at all. And and when they finished it up, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what the heck? Uh, it's like I, I didn't even buy anything. I didn't even buy a lot of stuff. And I'm coming out. And it was like 80 bucks, too. So, uh, you know, we're living in times where you're going to be stretched financially and it, smart moves, it's, it's going to be really, really important. And so I think these types of articles and this kind of information, although people might not be hurting enough right now to say, hey, I'm going to go search out for this information, but I think this is going to be very, very valuable stuff. So before I get into it, 
I want to say I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a financial expert. There might be people who want to email me and like, hey, you know, what, whatever, Todd, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, the economy is never going to crash. You know, they'll never let it crash. You know, our investments are good and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, if, if that's you, I, I completely understand that uh, this might not be for you, right? But I think a lot of people out there are paying attention to what's going on. So he, here's my thing. Uh, here's kind of where I want to start. For people that are counting on retirements, right? If you're counting on your investments, you're, in, you're counting on your pensions, you're counting on your 401ks, your IRAs, all that kind of stuff. What if, I'm saying what if, everything crashes? What if we do have an economic collapse and the system completely fails? What happens to your investments? What happens to those, you know, hey, you're, the future that you had in store, no matter how far that future is or how short that future is for you, what happens if it all comes crashing down and everything that you had, you know, like, hey, I, I got these, you know, retirement investments. I've been saving all my life. I've been putting into the stock market. I've been putting in mutual funds. I have all this stuff. And what happens if it completely crashes? Where are you going to be there? Another question, what happens to your money in the bank when, when the economy starts crashing and we start having uh, bank holidays and they close down the bank and they can't, uh, the, you know, you can only do like what they did in Argentina and Venezuela, where they only allow you to get a certain amount. I mean, you can have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in the bank, but they only allow you to get a few hundred dollars out at a time. So what would happen there in that kind of situation? So again, these articles I think are going to be important and we're going to cover three specific topics. And um, the title of the articles all are like tangible investments in an uncertain economy. And they all have their, you know, sub uh, headline here. So this one, the first one that we're going to read, I'm going to read them in order. And uh, again, three articles. Um, this might be a little bit of a longer podcast episode than normal. But this first one is how a 42-year-old book holds the key to beat inflation. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. Everywhere you look, financial experts are warning we could see double-digit inflation in 2022. Like all bad news, it never comes at a good moment when our debts are all paid, our investments are doing well, and our jobs are secure. Life doesn't happen that way. However, investment advice published 42 years ago in a book laid out a plan that still works and will show you how to beat inflation. Moreover, this plan is easy for anyone to do, is 100% risk-free and guaranteed to save you money now and long into the future. The Alpha Strategy by John Pugsley came out during double-digit inflation in 1980. It quickly became a national bestseller, staying on the New York Times bestseller list for nine weeks in 1981. The author, John A. Pugsley, set out to show average Americans how they can use the idea of tangibles or tangibles investing as a hedge against rising inflation. Additionally, he showed them how the strategy could help them save and invest money for the future. He dubbed this strategy the ultimate plan of financial self-defense for the small saver and investor. The core idea of the alpha strategy is to invest in what Pugsley terms level four consumable products. These are commonly used tangible items like health and beauty products, cleaning products, clothing, tools, and parts, paper and plastic products, home and yard maintenance products, vehicle maintenance products, food and other miscellaneous products. These everyday household consumable or consumer products see price increases yearly, either by design changes 
corporate rebranding, downsizing the packaging, or inflation. Pugsley showed how to protect yourself from inflation and save money over the long term by buying several years worth of each item you often use. Using the alpha strategy can mitigate the effects of inflation, giving you greater cash flow and savings. And guys, that was one of the pieces of advice and I didn't know about this book. I'm so glad for PJ to uh, to share this one. But uh, I, that was one of the pieces of, of advice that I gave when we were going into the lockdowns and approaching people who are, you know, non-preppers, I guess, on go stock up on things that you already use, right? Not necessarily for the inflation thing, but if you don't need it, um, the, the worst case scenario is you just don't have to go to the store as often. So I'm glad that was kind of aligned in that way. You can kind of look at it both ways, but let me go ahead and continue on and, and let you see some of the details here. Pugsley's idea of financial self-defense is not only practical, but easy to do for nearly everyone. You can invest in tangible products at today's current low cost, which is guaranteed to be less than you will pay for the same item in two years, 10 years, or 20 years. Once you know how much of a single product you use in one year and know its shelf life, you can invest by buying ahead as many years of it as you can afford. The more years you can buy of a year's worth of a product is how you beat inflation. Just make sure you don't buy more years than the maximum number of years of a product shelf life. With all this description of purchasing several years worth of numerous products, you think this was an expensive investment. Luckily, this strategy can be started with small amounts of discretionary income and is not out of reach for the average saver and investor. For example, toothpaste lasts indefinitely. Your favorite brand of toothpaste costs $1.89. If you buy 10 years worth of this toothpaste for yourself today, you have locked in the lower price for a decade into the future. That's one less item you will need to pay for over and over again, and you never have to pay a higher price for it at any time in the next 10 years. The average household uses two toothpaste tubes each year, brushing twice daily. All right, we use a whole lot more than that, but uh, just go ahead and you'll just work with the math here. So 10 years worth of toothpaste will be 20 tubes. 10 times two tubes equals 20. Each tube costs $1.89 times 20 equals $37.80 plus tax at the current price. You may pay less for the same toothpaste if you purchase it on sale or with a coupon or buy all the toothpaste at a dollar store. However you do it, you have now eliminated the cost of this item for the next 10 years. You will save the amount you pay plus any cost differences based on rising prices due to inflation or the same cost for a smaller size tube. Either way, you save money. How much can you save if you created your own store and stocked it with all the products you regularly use up to 10 years worth? Once you have a 10-year supply of something, you will not need to go to the store again to buy any more for 10 years. So no matter what it costs in the years ahead, you already have enough on hand at today's lower price. To utilize the alpha strategy, keep all receipts when you shop so you can track what you buy. Next, write down all the level four consumer products you use and the current price for each. Then figure out how much of each item you use in a year. Once you have these numbers, you can budget your purchases. Finally, look up their shelf life. If the shelf life of an item is 10 years or more, stockpile 10 years worth of it. Do this for as many items as possible on your list, provided each item will last that long or longer. The Alpha Strategy has a long list of the shelf lives of level 4 consumables in the appendix at the back of the book. 
For a free copy of the book without the shelf life appendix, see the link at the end of this article. And guys, I'm going to link to this uh, this article so you can go check this out if you'd like and talk to you a little bit about that appendix here in a minute. So the goal is to know how much of each product you use in a year and purchase 10 years worth of that product at the least expensive current price to lock in those savings for as many years possible. If you can't afford 10 years worth of an item, then try to buy ahead seven years or five or three. Be consistent. Buy the same number of years worth of every product on your list, provided its shelf life is not less than that number. Do what you can afford, but get started. I started doing this type of tangible investing by spending $60 at a dollar store and bought 10 years worth of three products I use all the time. After bringing the items home, I stack them neatly inside a file cabinet I keep for storage at the back of my clothes closet. Every payday, I took another 60 and repeated the process for more products I use all the time. Over 51 weeks, I built up my store. I now have 10 years worth of 153 products that I use all the time in my store. The cost to me was $3,060, but I have 10 years worth of the 153 items I use all the time. That's $3,060 will not need to be spent during the next 10 years to replace these items because I have these items already on hand. When I run out of one, I go to the file cabinet and take out another. The effect of doing this on my lifestyle was nearly immediate. I started to see that my spending went down each week, which improved my cash flow and allowed me to do other things with the money I wasn't spending to replace any of these items. Granted, we are not talking huge sums of money here. Still, savings add up if you diligently apply this technique to all the consumer products you use on an ongoing basis. Depending on the size of your household, it can free up a few hundred dollars or much more each month, which you can invest, get out of debt, or save for a rainy day. The alpha strategy is a common sense way to protect from the ravages of inflation. Best of all, it's 100% risk-free. As supply chains are breaking down, it's good to know you have a modest stockpile of the items you need for years to come. All right, so there is a link to the um, to the uh, the PDF that's uh, that's been on the internet for a very very long time, and so you can go check it out. I think it's out of print. You can get used uh, the used book Alpha Strategy, and I have linked to it on Amazon, so you can search for it there if you want to do that. But uh, you you can do that. Now I say all of that. And I want to say that uh, uh, PJ, she created her own because of the fact that you, you know, it's not as easy to find the, the book, right? Or you have to buy the book to, to go ahead and do that. So she has made her own version of that list so that you can go ahead and go. It's like, especially what those tangibles are in the the shelf life of those things, right? So, you know, toothpaste is indefinite, but uh, she goes into other specific things. So she went ahead and made her own. And a lot, some of these lists are online. You can find them online. I know that I've shared them on Prepper website throughout the years. So, you know, some people have done it, but it's not a complete list. And so uh, PJ has done that. And for, you know, she sells it on her, uh, on her in her store for three dollars and ninety five cents. Uh, she also has another um, worksheet that you can download. How much does it hold? Figuring figuring your dry canning basic food storage for a dollar seventy five. And so uh, you know these are just digital products, that, PDFs that you can download and uh, will, are well worth well worth it if you start to invest this um, this idea or start using this idea of tangible investing and you want to see what 
you know, or, or how long these things will last, right? So uh, that link will also be in the um, in the show notes, so you can go check that out. All right. Okay. So that is the alpha strategy and in investing in tangible items that you buy. The next article goes into scratch cooking, and it's a scratch cooking challenge. And just like you know, PJ has has offered up a free recipe on this to make bread. But uh, let's go ahead and read this one here. Um, there's a lot of people, it kind of blows my mind, that go to the store every single day. I mean, I couldn't do that, especially when I'm working long days. And uh, to go to the grocery store right after that, that would be absolutely nuts. To pick up food every single day for, you know, f- to make dinner or whatever. Um, I don't know how much money you actually, I, I don't think you save any kind of money. You probably save, you spend more money than you save by doing it that way. I always believe in, in making a menu, but then again, going and cooking from scratch and knowing how to cook from scratch is going to save you a whole lot of money. And she uses bread to give you an example here. And then, like I said, she gives you, if you sign up for her email list, you're going to get a, uh, a free recipe. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into this one here. So in the first article, Tangibles Investing in an Uncertain Economy, How a 42-Year-Old Book Holds the Key to Beat Inflation, I wrote about the alpha strategy, which is a system made famous by author John A. Pugsley in a book he wrote by the same title published in 1980. He advocated buying ahead and storing several years' worth of items your household uses all the time, thus defeating the inevitable rising prices due to inflation and freeing up additional disposable income over the number of years' worth of these items you store. This article will look at scratch cooking as another way to save significant amounts of money on your grocery bill, allowing you to have more disposable income to purchase and store more household items, implementing the alpha strategy or for other investments. Why not learn to scratch cook, which is a valuable skill, using the tools you already have in your kitchen? Preparedness experts agree that having skills is always more desirable than having things. You can purchase all kinds of equipment and tools, but they are essentially worthless if you don't know how to use them. It also makes sense because of power outages to learn to cook with ingredients rather than throwing a frozen entree into the microwave. In an emergency, you will be ready to prepare and cook meals over an open flame if necessary. Now, scratch cooking is how all of humanity prepared food in the days before just-in-time logistics, fast food, and overly processed foods. It is the skill of making good things to eat from ingredients that are just one or two steps away from the natural state of the food. The steps in processing a food stuff are to modify the plant or animals to make it edible. For example, flour is ground or milled wheat berries, which is one step away from the naturally grown wheat plant. Nutritionists point out that we eat healthier when we eat foods just one or two steps away from their natural state. Overly processed foods contain ingredients to lengthen the shelf life of the food, but include unhealthy amounts of chemicals. In addition to extending shelf life, modern processed foods add extra calories from cheaper filler ingredients, along with harmful amounts of salt and food dyes. The cooking processes used in the factories that produce such convenience foods also destroy the foodstuff's original nutritional value. For example, Most modern breakfast cereals are made by stripping out the intrinsic nutrition of corn, wheat, rice, or oats and replacing it with a processed coating. The ingredients are turned into slush, reshaped into forms like stars or O's or small squares, etc., and baked. In the final stage, nutritional coating, quote-unquote, sugars, flavors, and dyes, which are also processed, are then sprayed back onto the cereal before it's packaged. Unhealthy foods like this lead to suppressed immune systems, 
chronic ailments, and significant disease. By contrast, cooking with simple, nutrient-rich foods improve your overall health and give your body the, the nutrition it needs to function properly. So you can also save lots of money by learning to cook from scratch. If you stop buying overly processed foods and begin to purchase the ingredients to cook healthy meals, you will discover these ingredients are much less expensive and you can slash your grocery budget. My grocery budget was once $400 plus a month and by learning to cook from scratch using health ingredients, healthy ingredients, I now spend about $175 to $200 a month. I started my scratch cooking journey by learning to bake bread at home. It's an ideal way to learn the basics of cooking using ingredients. Bread is the universal item on everyone's grocery list, and as food prices rise due to inflation, learning to bake bread can save you significant money. So the average loaf of regular sandwich bread is now $1.50 to $4 or more a loaf. I was used to purchasing an organic whole wheat bread that was $3.89 a loaf. Here's what I discovered when I started to make my bread. Using a standard recipe, I purchased these ingredients. One five-pound bag of all-purpose flour, $1.56. One five-pound bag of whole wheat flour, $2.74. One four-pound bag of granulated sugar, $2.08. Four three-count packs of instant yeast, $3.08. And one box or four sticks of butter, $2.98. For a total of $12.44. A five-pound bag of all-purpose flour contains between three and four cups per pound or a little over 17 cups per pound. When I bake bread, I always make two loaves and use five cups of flour, half all-purpose flour and half whole wheat flour, which is a little more expensive than making a whole loaf bread from all-purpose or bread flour alone. I can make at least six loaves of bread from every five-pound bag of flour. If I divide the total cost outlay for ingredients of $12.44 by six loaves, that equals a cost per loaf of $2.07. Since I usually purchase bread that cost about $3.89 per loaf, I am saving $1.82 per loaf by learning to bake. On average, my household consumes one loaf of bread per week. By saving $1.82 per loaf each week for the 52 weeks in a year, my total savings equals $94.64 a year on bread alone. This evaluation doesn't include how often I can buy the ingredients on sale or with coupons or in bulk, dropping the cost per loaf even lower. I figure I'm actually saving about $100 a year on bread by making it myself. Besides, my homemade bread is tastier and my house smells fantastic on baking day. Now, once I started making bread, I was soon branching out to make dough for homemade pizzas. Homemade pizza is far less expensive and tastes better than frozen, carryout, or delivery pizza, and there's no tip. My household would consume pizza about once or twice a month, so I'm saving that cost by getting the fresher ingredients and making pizza myself. My scratch cooking skills have expanded to include soups, stews, and casseroles, all made from the freshest ingredients I can find. It certainly added up because now my grocery budget is just under half of what I used to spend, or $2,400 saved in one year. As you can see, this can be a huge savings for most people since after rent and or mortgage and car loan payments, the average grocery bill is the next largest cost outlay in most budgets. The biggest wrap against scratch cooking is the perception that it takes way too much time to produce a meal. Obviously, it takes longer to put a savory vegetable soup together than boiling water for a quick cup of instant soup. It comes down to priorities. If you are willing to do a little prep work, you will reap the rewards of better health and money saved. It is possible to do your weekly meal planning with efficiency in mind. Once you transition to preparing most of your meals from scratch, you can learn to save time by planning your weekly meals 
in prepping the ingredients ahead of time and storing them for quick use when needed. Many YouTube videos show you how to do this. All it takes is a bit of organization and time management, and the rest will improve your diet, significantly reduce your grocery bill, and not take up too much of your time. Overall, my scratch cooking experience has allowed me to finance my tangible investing and has helped me purchase all my long-term food stores. Once you have a repertoire of healthy meals you create from ingredients, you can learn food canning to stretch your savings further and have a store of these items on hand at today's lower prices instead of the cost that continues to creep higher during extreme inflation. Given that experts believe we are entering a time of potential double-digit inflation, I urge you to learn scratch cooking if you haven't already. Start by breaking bread by combining scratch cooking with tangible investing or the alpha strategy. You have a 100% risk-free proven hedge against inflation. I know of no faster way to improve your health and wealth than the savings and skills you will find by learning to cook from scratch. So take the scratch cook challenge for a free copy of my simple sandwich bread recipe email pj at goldenpagemedia at gmail.com. Guys, there is a link. I'm going to provide a link to the store where you can go ahead and sign up for her email list there and it makes it a lot easier. But if you want to send an email, you can do it uh, to pj at goldenpagemedia at gmail.com. All right. This one makes a lot of sense as well. And I think not only is it you know, those of you who have really big families know how much it costs to go out to eat, right? Um, it costs, you know, I have a family of four. I mean, I have two boys living at home right now. And when we go out to eat, just even if it we're picking up something kind of fast and, or pizza or whatever, the prices have extreme, I mean, they've, they've gone up big time. If you go out to eat, you know, and you have a bigger family, you know, you have small kids or whatever, and you could get by with maybe, you know, kids eat free or whatever. And we used to do that. We got out of that, you know, really, really quick because I got big boys, right? But the thing is, is that it's really expensive to go out to eat. It's really expensive for food right now. We've already kind of talked about that. Um, even just our own personal experiences, not just reading the article. So if you can save money by cooking from scratch, not only are you are you doing that, you're, you're adding to your finances. And it, sometimes it doesn't seem like a lot, but a little bit adds up over time. But I think that one of the biggest things here is the health aspect of it as well. Sometimes we don't always understand the things that we're putting into our body when buying the processed foods that we buy at the grocery store. So when we can cook from scratch and use fresh and healthy in ingredients, then our bodies, you know, will benefit from that in a greater way than even, you know, saving the money there. And then in the long term, you're talking about saving money, going to the doctor and dealing with all the inflation, not the inflation, the inflammation in your body because of all the processed foods and all the junk that you've been eating. I know that this was a recent conversation that we had in the email group as well. And, you know, I always suggest going to YouTube. There are people doing some great things on YouTube that are cooking from scratch and the thing is, is not to get overwhelmed. Like, okay, it's like, okay, I'm going to start cooking from scratch. I'm making everything from scratch. If you haven't been doing that, that's not something that you should start in one day. Start off small. Start off like uh, PJ is talking about here in this article. Start off by making bread and go from there. I'm telling you, when my wife makes bread or she makes, uh, you know, even like banana nut bread or whatever, that's, that stuff does not last very long because you smell it all throughout the house. Everybody starts coming out of their rooms and is like, hey, I, I smell something. What's going on? And, and so even before it has time to cool down, a lot of the times, I mean, we're we're eating into all of that. 
The same kind of idea will happen with bread when you when you do that. I have a funny story when uh, I was a, a youth pastor and a worship leader at another church. There was uh, to do to do the Lord's Supper. <laughs> you're supposed to use unleavened bread, right? But uh, this one uh, little old lady would bake bread. And she, I don't know what, what she put into it, but it was like, it was like crack bread or something, man. Because, so the idea was the pastor would hold the bread up, you know, have it on a platter up in the front. It was a small church. And so, you know, when it was time to eat, people would go and, you know, the little, you know, the little wafers, little crackers that you eat, you know, if you go to just a regular church that uses those, people were grabbing big old chunks of bread, man, because it was so good. And she always made it fresh that morning when we were going to, you know, before church. And so people would grab these big old chunks and it was like, it was so good. And uh, it's just, you know, it's kind of a little wrong there, I guess, uh, to, uh, because it wasn't unleavened definitely, but it was so, so good. And people will, will uh, gravitate to that smell of bread and uh, want to taste it with the little, you know, hot bread with a little bit of butter on there, man, forget it. You know, you're, uh, you're, you better watch it there. You're going to gain a lot of weight. Anyway, I think that's very smart to go ahead and learn how to do that. Start with bread, start small, start with one or two recipes and start moving from there. Then learning how to extend your meals or let's just say, you you know, you're using chicken or whatever you use, uh, you know, half of chicken one day, you use the next chicken the next day, the rest of the chicken or whatever, or you're using the chicken broth the next day. I mean, for a soup or whatever it is, you start to extend it. You start to use the different, um, you know, components there and start saving a lot of money. But two, I think the, the true benefit is you start being or eating healthier, right? And your your body is healthier and your body is grateful for that. Um, again, I think the inflammation thing inside of our bodies is, is a big deal when we eat a lot of processed foods. But get a couple of recipes, start learning from there and start moving more and more to that. When you go to the grocery store, one of the things I remember like when we have hurricanes and even when things started flying off the shelf when people started freaking out here in in the Houston area when the livestock show was canceled, you know, that year of COVID. And that was like the the thing that told everybody this was serious here in Houston. The livestock show and rodeo is a big, big deal. So when that was canceled, people, you know, the shelves started being just like people started going crazy and emptying out the shelves. And the things that are easy for people to make, processed foods, uh, you know, cookies in a can, biscuits, you know, cinnamon rolls in a can. You couldn't find those things for a long time. I mean, I was always trying to watch what was out there and what you could see. Eventually, it got to the point where you you weren't finding a lot of flour and stuff because people were like, okay, if this goes long term, then I need to know how to make bread. And so we, st- I, I, I could remember times where I was walking down that aisle and bread and sugar and yeast, you could not find that. And uh, I was starting to, at that point, I'm like, okay, things are starting to get serious. Now, things are starting to come back, but there's a lot of holes. People keep talking about a lot of holes and grocery stores are really smart. They're moving things around and putting things where they you know, they normally don't go. And then they're facing things where you know the, the cans might be too deep and they look like they're full. But as soon as you grab two items, you, you realize there's nothing else behind it, right? So sometimes all that processed food stuff is going to be the stuff that goes first, knowing how to cook from scratch 
and uh, knowing how to use ingredients to make a meal for your family. I think that is a valuable skill to be able to use. Not only that, you can find recipes all over the place out there. All right, so enough on that one there, guys. I'm going to link to PJ's store so you can go sign up for the email, get the the bread recipe, but also look at these other things as well, uh, the other items that she has. And it looks like she's going to be adding to these on a regular basis. So let's go ahead and jump into the third article here. Um, this one's called Tangible Investings in an Uncertain Future, not Uncertain Economy. And it's entitled How to Be Financially Free. This one's a little bit longer and it goes into a couple of stories. I think one of the big things here, because she's going to be talking about um, you know real estate and how to have your, your mortgage paid off and things like that. But I think one of the biggest things here is not only that, but how the person got there, the different stories that she tells, um, how they got there. And I think that's really important as well here. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this one again, how to be financially free. This is part three of the three-part series, how to be or tangible investing in an uncertain economy slash future. If you are a student on the verge of graduating from high school or who has just graduated from high school or Anyone who desires to live a happy and financially free life, you don't need to go to college in order to find financial security. Now, guys, you know that I work in education and I will be the first one to tell you that as well. We did a great disservice years ago saying trying to get everybody ready for college. And that is not the route that everybody needs to go. But anyway, just I just had to say that. All right. This article will show you how you can skip college altogether and the extremely high student loan debt that comes with it and secure your financial future better than if you go to college. Instead, consider a different path that can lead to greater financial security at a much earlier age, even in times of double digit inflation. Now, I'm going to let you in on a big secret. Unless you want to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, physicist, or other education intensive profession, there is absolutely no compelling reason to attend a college or university right out of high school. There's a phony statistic floating around that says people with college degrees earn on average $1 million more during their lifetime than those with just a high school diploma. This is no longer true, especially in the times of pandemic and the so-called Great Reset. In fact, since late 2007, the United States economy continues to crumble. Jobs are being outsourced overseas and overseas workers are being brought in to take jobs from native-born Americans, making it even harder for new college graduates to find work. Almost half of all college graduates can't find jobs that pay more than $15 an hour, even with a bounce in wages since the COVID-19 lockdowns. According to an article in The Atlantic, it is reported that upwards of 61% of recent college grads are still living in their parents' home. Since 2020 and the pandemic, that percentage has only gone higher. Nearly every reputable economist says it will stay this way for the foreseeable future with inflation destroying the buying power of our wages. One simply cannot lose a decade of earnings and ever hope to recover enough financially to make an impact over a lifetime. That is why you must choose to change your future by choosing a better path. It is plainly evident that college graduates are being hit now with a double whammy, crushing student loan debt and double-digit inflation. Compared to others of their high school graduation class, they start life under a heavy debt burden. And to this, the double-digit inflation, they are no better off than others who immediately struck out on their own and began working towards a different goal. How can a college graduate earn a million dollars more than those with only a high school education under current economic conditions? How can they earn that much when they also have to pay back crushing student loan debt? 
Most are looking for work and doing side gigs to simply stay afloat. They are treading water and are one poor decision away from drowning. In fact, the student loan debt crisis threatens more than just college students as financial institutions will not make risky loans to others who cannot show how they will pay it back. This further erodes the economy and forces all taxpayers to pay for loans not being paid back, as well as footing the bill for the loans in the first place. In such a confusing economy, the only solution is to commit to a financial plan that will instead give you more financial freedom and choices. The key to being financially free is to eliminate as much of your largest recurring monthly expenses as possible. This concept is so important, I will repeat it. The key to being financially free is to eliminate as much of your largest recurring monthly expenses as possible. Previous articles have shown how you can invest in tangibles as a hedge against inflation and how learning to cook from scratch can help find the money within your existing budget to pay for your tangible investments. I'm now going to suggest that the biggest tangible you can ever invest in is a house owned free and clear. Since the cost of housing is the single largest monthly expense for most Americans, by reducing or eliminating this expense, you can spend that money on other things. You get to keep that money and leverage it to your advantage. Instead of going into debt right out of high school, why not create your own four-year plan with a goal of owning your own home at the end of four years? The goal of home ownership is a good one because most Americans pay the largest percentage of their monthly income towards housing. Your goal is to eliminate the cost of housing as your largest expenditure in the shortest amount of time possible. Rather than incur crushing student loan debt, you have a four-year head start towards the same goal as your college-bound friends. Why not make this a reality in the same time it would take to complete a bachelor's degree? So how to get started in four steps. Here's how to achieve your own four-year plan. Get a job, save as much money as possible so you can buy a house and own it outright within four years, commit to this goal four-year plan, four steps. So here are several examples of how people just like you manage to do this on modest incomes. If you find your income is less than these examples, then you will need more time to accomplish this plan and you can adjust your timeline. If your income is higher, you will need less time to complete your plan. It doesn't really matter how much you earn because what matters most is your determination to complete your plan. So let's look at Tom's story. So Tom's mother and father divorced when he was eight years old. Now he is 18 and soon graduating from high school. His mother, Judy, works as a secretary for a title company in the suburb where Tom, his mom, and his sister, Christine, live in an apartment. Judy's income is only $2,000 a month before taxes and Social Security are taken out of her wages. Her real take-home pay, pay is $1,490 or $1,490 a month. She rents a two-bedroom apartment for $875 a month. Her children each get their own bedroom while she sleeps on a pull-out sofa bed in the living room. Her utilities cost her $250 a month, which leaves very little money left for groceries, insurance, and travel to, to and from work by car. Tom has been contributing to the household for some time by doing a paper route and mowing lawns. His monthly income averages about $150. Now that he is 18 and will be graduating high school soon, he wants to help his mom even more by not going to college. He wants to expand his lawn care business and go full-time. He also earns extra money during the winter off-season by harvesting firewood and selling it by the cord and smaller bundles to families around town and in a nearby city. Tom agrees to pay rent for his bedroom to his mom at $300 a month. His rent includes all his utilities and food. This helps out mom because she is getting an extra amount every month to help with bills and Tom benefits from having a goal to reach and achieve each month, learning financial responsibility. 
Tom has already managed to buy a used pickup truck and save $300 from his part-time jobs, which he uses to launch his lawn care business. He knows how many regular customers he must have in order to earn what he needs to earn in order to pay his rent every month to his mom and meet his four-year plan goals. In March, before he graduates, he has some business cards printed, advertises his lawn service in a local publication, and has his business name and phone number painted on the cab doors and rear tailgate of his truck. Additionally, he promotes his business to his existing customer list, not only to find new customers among their friends, relatives, and neighbors, but to sell add-on services they may need, such as trash hauling, tree and shrub trimming, preparing a garden for planting, edging, and landscaping. This helps to increase his profit per customer. Using this simple, these simple methods, Tom quickly builds his business to earn $2,300 a month. On the weekends, Tom and a friend get, get permits to harvest firewood from nearby U.S. Forest Service lands, haul it back to town where they split it, stack it in covered shelters, and then sell the seasoned wood. His sister sometimes go with, goes with him, and she collects hundreds of pine cones, which she sells on eBay and Etsy to crafters. Tom earns an additional $3,000 from this activity during the off-season from his lawn care business. Here is Tom's monthly budget. Gross wages, $2,300 a month. Savings, $1,200. Rent to mom, $300. Upkeep on lawn care equipment, $40. Upkeep on truck, $50. Gas, $100. Vehicle insurance, $90. Miscellaneous, $520. So Tom's savings and miscellaneous amounts also cover his quarterly federal tax filings, of which he gets most back at annual tax time when he does his taxes. Any tax refund he gets goes into savings to be used towards buying a house. Tom's firewood side business income also goes into savings. In a four years time, Tom saved $69,000. He would have saved more money, but for two mechanical emergencies involving, involving his truck and a trip to the emergency room for a bad splinter he received while working. Instead of a stick-built house, he decides to buy a newer but used three-bedroom, two-bath, double-wide manufactured home in a safe and friendly family mobile home park in town. The space rent for the home is $350 a month. He is able to buy this entire house for $35,000. Once Tom and his family move into the home, their monthly housing costs drops to cover just the monthly space rent and home insurance, which he splits with his mom. This allows his mom to live much more comfortably on her own income, save more towards her own retirement, and help his sister Christine with college if she decides to attend. Tom makes a few upgrades on the home, which cost $4,000, and they move in. At the end of four years, Tom has bought a house and lowered his family's monthly housing costs dramatically, improved the quality of life for his family as they get a much larger home and small yard. They each get their own bedroom, and they have more living room and kitchen space with a pantry, and he still has $30,000 in the bank as an emergency fund for the house upkeep, business-related, and personal needs. Because his housing cost is now a fraction of his monthly income, Tom can save even more money from his income, adding to what he still has, and by helping his mother, she also has more money to save and invest from her monthly income. And most of all, number five, Tom has no debt. He owns his house free and clear and is in a position financially to have more options available to him, such as expanding his business or buying into another business or taking some courses to help him run his business better. The sky's the limit. He's his own boss and can take time off when he wants to and has the cash to really enjoy life. All of this was achieved because Tom made a plan and was determined to stick to it in order to achieve his goal of home ownership. He spent his savings wisely by the outright purchase of a home instead of merely using the money as a down payment on a home. 
Tom chose to buy and own a house free and clear because it dropped his monthly housing costs to about $400 a month, mobile home space rent plus home insurance. If he had purchased a stick-built house, then the cost of the home would have been tens of thousands of dollars more expensive and the resulting mortgage payment would be $1,200 or more and a much higher property tax bill. From the standpoint of how much money Tom gets to keep each month instead of having to pay, Tom is way ahead of the game. So Tom's mother was able to quit her secretarial job and start working for her son. She now works for her son, Tom. She schedules his work, assigns daily tasks for his work crews, markets the business to new customers, and does his billing and bookkeeping. This frees up his time to train employees and start bidding on larger projects. Eventually, Tom launched a lucrative long-term contract to do grounds maintenance for a local business industrial park and is branching out into providing janitorial services for these businesses as well as lawn care. Tom is now on track to build his two businesses up to the point where he can retire before age 40 if he so desires, all the while living a much less stressful life free from financial worries. Tom credits the key to his success was his initial four-year plan to buy a house free and clear. Is manufactured home the only type of home you can buy to help you become financially free? In a word, no. Many people are able to find existing real, real property homes, homes that come attached to land for under 60000 they may not be the newest or nicest homes, but they can be lived in and maintained if you buy in the right locations. Such a home can be sold for more money than what you originally paid and put into it. One man has created an online cottage industry about finding and buying homes for $50,000 $50, or less here. And so the uh, the article has the link. It's called houseunder50,000.com and then Affordable Towns. And so you can go and check out this link here if you're interested in doing that. In fact, if you do a search engine search for home, homes for $50,000 or less, you will find untold numbers of available cheaper homes for sale. Just remember, you will be buying older homes that will require more upkeep, adding to your cost to live there. But think of what you can do with the larger yard space that typically comes with older homes. Most of the older homes in small town America come with the 20th of an acre or larger yard because back in the day, people typically had large gardens, lots of kids who needed space to play, and oftentimes kept chickens and even their own dairy cow. If you can find a home that you can buy free and clear with the money you save in four years or less and carefully budget for upkeep and upgrades going forward, you too can reach financial security and have no debt. So here's how one gal did just that. This is Sarah's story. So Sarah lived at home with her parents in the suburbs. She decided not to go to college after high school. Frankly, she was an average student and was simply tired of school. She wasn't really sure what she wanted to do, but just knew she wanted to enjoy life, travel, and not be tied to a 9-to-5 job. Her best friend Kathy decided to attend college because she wanted to become a teacher. More about Kathy later. Although Sarah wasn't sure about the direction of her life, she did understand that she wanted to make the next few years really pay off so she would have more options and be able to do the non-work things she dreamed of doing. So she devised a four-year plan to buy a house to at least have a home already paid for, which she could never be put out of and for her work to be home-based for whatever direction she pursues. While her plan seemed vague, she actually committed herself to doing whatever it takes to earn enough to buy a house free and clear in four years' time so that she would have more financial freedom and choices down the line. That's enough of a goal to work towards to start with. Sarah realized she didn't have many skills, so she looked around to see what she could do. What she lacked in skills, she made up for with enthusiasm. She decided to apply to be a waitress at the most popular upscale restaurant near her parents' home where she lived. 
Luckily, she was hired and learned how to give great service to customers in order to increase her tips because it was her tips that gave her the biggest portion of her take-home pay. Legally, a restaurant must pay workers minimum wage or higher, and because wait persons get tips compared to other restaurant workers who don't, they are paid a much smaller minimum wage every week, typically $2 or less, and thus must rely on their tips to round out their real weekly take-home pay. Sarah learned quickly how to get the big bucks and tips by waiting on people promptly, being friendly and helpful. She always kept her areas bust and clean and pitched in with other tasks during the dinner rush hours. She kept busy and people noticed. She took an active interest in how the chefs cooked the food so she could describe it better to customers and learned about wine so she could recommend a good wine to go with every meal. Her employer really appreciated this about Sarah because she helped him sell more wine and he even started a wine club on the side because Sarah helped to create more of an interest in wine among the customers. All of her efforts led to promotions for Sarah and she got the pick of the best times to work. This enabled her to increase her income exponentially each year. Sarah was soon working five dinner shifts a week, including the lucrative weekend shifts, and because she had applied herself, she got very good at her job. She started out at $1.95 an hour minimum wage, yet earned $22,000 her first year. Her minimum wage checks totaled $4,000, and tips made up the rest. Each succeeding year, she increased her income and tips by $2,000 annually. So in four years' time, she earned a total well over six figures. After paying her parents $2,200 a month for room and board, plus paying her taxes, transportation costs, and other miscellaneous expenses, she managed to save $67,000. At the end of four years' time, she had saved enough to shop for a house. In a smaller town just 17 miles from her parents' house and slightly closer to the restaurant where she worked, she found an older 1920s house for sale. It was a two-bedroom, one-bath, cottage-style house with a walkout basement on a quarter acre of, an, of land. Sarah paid just $57,000 for the home and owned it free and clear. The home needed some upgrades, including a dry ceiling of the walkout basement and fresh paint inside and out. She removed all the old carpeting and found wonderful original wood flooring, which she sanded and refinished herself. With all these upgrades, Sarah had depleted her remaining savings down to just $4,000 for her emergency fund. But luckily, her best friend Kathy finally graduated college and landed a job as a teacher in the same small town. She rented Kathy a room in her home for $400 a month, which was the going rate for this type of room rent in her area. This arrangement worked out well, very well for Kathy because she incurred student loan debt of over $47,000 between both her bachelor and master's degrees in education. After completing all her college degrees, the federal government began enforcing the repayment of the loans, so even though she was working, she could not afford to rent her own apartment. Kathy figured at least renting a room for a few years from her friend gave her some independence and a way to pay off her student loans quickly. Sarah saved the money Kathy paid her and used it on more home improvements, including having a second full bathroom built in the basement where she created a separate apartment to rent to a female teacher friend of Kathy's. She charged $600 a month for her one-bedroom basement apartment, plus $400 for the room upstairs to her friend Kathy. Thus, in just four years' time, Sarah had learned a trade and increased her knowledge base to earn a modest income, saved enough money to buy a house free and clear, became a landlord through renting rooms and leveraging the room rental to pay for creating a basement apartment in her home, all of which added to her net worth and increased her monthly income. This extra money helped her maintain her home and helped her discover another use for her yard, which she soon learned to leverage as another income stream, enabling her to quit her waitress job and start a home-based part-time business. So how did Sarah use her yard? 
While reading about inexpensive ornamental plants, shrubs, and trees, which she wanted to use in her own yard, she discovered she could grow them herself and then turn around and sell them to landscapers and plant nurseries and make a nice income. After further research, she learned a certain ornamental tree accounts for most landscaping needs around new home construction, buildings, and industrial parks. This specific species of tree is the most lucrative tree sold by landscapers and nurseries. Armed with this information, Sarah felt confident she could earn $10,000 growing this tree to a certain height within two years' time in order to sell them wholesale to other growers for $10 each. Spending $600, she bought and planted 1,200 of this type tree as seedlings in her backyard, which surprisingly didn't take up much space at all. All she had to do was make sure they got plenty of sunshine, water the occasional, pl water, the occasional plant food, and mulch before winter. In two years' time, 1,100 of the 1,200 seedlings grew to sufficient height, and she sold them all. The experience was such a pleasant one for Sarah, she determined to do it again and grow other kinds of plants to sell. The point being, she had found another way to earn a huge amount of money with part-time effort, which could finance almost anything she wants to do. All of this happened because Sarah wisely determined to save enough money in four years' time to buy a house free and clear rather than go to college and go into deep student loan debt. Today, Sarah's monthly expenses are practically zero because she has no house payment to a mortgage company. She has additional passive income from her rentals and has found a way to use her large backyard for a lucrative part-time business. Given what Sarah was able to accomplish in just four years, eventually she quit being a waitress and began a small market garden in her yard. Growing the herbs used by chefs in restaurants, she added a year-round greenhouse with ventilation and heat that grows enough fresh herbs to supply several area restaurants working only part-time. In fact, her former employer was her first customer. Sarah still grows the ornamental trees and sells those too. Between the part-time herbs and ornamental tree business, plus her rental income, she has replaced her modest former income as a waitress. At age 25, she owns a home free and clear, is financially solvent, debt-free, works part-time yet earns a full-time income, and can afford to do just about anything she wants. This is real freedom. Additionally, Sarah discovered she really enjoys growing things and has made this her career. She is even contemplating buying a couple of acres of farmland to expand her herbs and tree business. Not bad for an average high school student who chose not to go to college, is it? Here's another example of how people can leverage their savings to plant themselves on firm financial ground and give themselves a better future. This is John and Sally's story. So John and Sally were high school juniors when they first went steady. An unplanned pregnancy during the fall of their senior year meant that Sally completed her high school diploma online at home. Right after John graduated in June, the pair were married and Sally gave birth to a healthy son. At first, they were living in the basement of John's parents' home. Rather than go to college, John decided to take a job offered to him at a local lumber supply company. He earned $11 an hour, working long hours, always volunteering to work overtime and to fill in when other employees were out sick or on vacation. Sally also chose to not go to college as she now had adult parenting responsibilities. She did find work as a babysitter or caretaker in the home of a career woman who worked full-time but had a two-year-old daughter. This was a perfect job for Sally because she could bring her own infant son to work with her and care for him at the same time she took care of the two-year-old girl. Her duties were fairly light, making meals, doing some housework, and playing with the children. This was a full-time job for Sally, and she was paid $180 a week. John and Sally's combined income was $730 a week. They determined to have a place of their own and to be financially free as soon as possible, so they made a four-year plan as follows. After taxes, their net income was $30,000 a year using every legal deduction available to married couples. 
They determined to pay John's parents $500 a month for their basement bedroom and half bath, including all utilities and meals. Since John owned his own car, he would drop off Sally at work every morning and pick her up later each day. On days he worked longer hours, John's mother would pick up Sally and son and bring them home from work. John's transportation costs were gasoline, $50 a month, and car insurance, rather than high at $1,200, rather high at $1,200 a year. Here's what their four-year plan budget looked like. Rent, utilities, and meals, $500 a month times 12 is $6,000 a year. Gasoline, $50 a month times 12 is $600 a year. Car insurance, $1,200 a year. Total amount, $7,800 a year. Out of the $22,200 that remained, they were very frugal and saved $21,000 each year. They got all their clothes at resale and thrift stores and asked for gift cards from friends and families for birthdays and holidays and used them for date nights, family occasions, and diapers. In four years' time, they were able to save $84,000. John had an interest in building things and decided to buy a three-fourth acre property on the edge of town that had a run-down, older, two-bedroom, one-bath, single-wide mobile home on it for $62,000. It didn't look like much, but the property came with an intact septic system and well water with a good flow rate. Kathy spent her weekends cleaning and fixing it up, and it was quickly made livable for the growing family. Using the employee discount at the lumber yard where he worked, plus finding doors, windows, and hardware at a salvage yard, John built a small combination shop and single-car garage for less than $14,000. He saved money pouring the concrete foundation and doing most of the finished work himself. Many passerbyers were impressed with his work and contracted him to build similar structures. John discovered that he could earn more money and do a faster job by buying prefabricated garages at wholesale prices and then erecting them in one or two days, hiring temp workers to help. During the warmer months, he would erect five to eight of these structures and make additional money, which went into savings. One day, he was approached to build a small house on a trailer frame for a young man who wanted to travel the country, yet have a tiny house to live in rather than purchase an RV trailer. He needed a small dark room in the tiny house because he was a professional photographer and figured a custom-built dark room would give him everything he wanted rather than trying to rig a dark room in an RV. John found this to be very interesting, a very interesting project and started to work on building additional small homes on trailer frames. He enjoyed this work because it didn't involve the hassle of dealing with hired day labor and he could custom craft a home with his own special touches except when he had the electrical and plumbing systems professionally installed. John's income from this extra work enabled Sally to stay home with the children, a second child, a girl by this time, and he eventually opened his own business, creating and building tiny homes, tapping into this lucrative niche housing market. Three years after moving into their own home, John was able to afford a custom-built stick home on their property, which was also paid for free and clear. They finally moved out of the 900-square-foot mobile home and into their custom 2,300-square-foot stick-built home. So let's recap. In just four years' time, John and Sally decided not to attend college and instead found work locally that fit their skill levels right out of high school, used their combined income to save enough money to buy a home free and clear, which helped give John additional experience in construction, which he leveraged into a nice side business, which enabled Sally to be a stay-at-home mom, which allowed John to gain the skills and experience needed to make custom tiny homes in a lucrative niche housing market, affording them enough money to have a custom-built home on their own land, all paid for, free and clear, plus a new full-time job for John as a tiny home builder. So by age 22, John and Sally owned a home, had no debt, and were financially secure. Additionally, in just three more years by the age 25, John had gained enough experience to work from his own custom-built home on his three-fourth acre lot, building custom tiny homes for others, earning more than six figures a year. 
All of this was accomplished only because they made a four-year plan to save enough money to buy a home free and clear and not go to college, incurring massive debt. All of the extra income that would have been spent on housing went into their savings, which gave them a nice emergency fund and the means for John to make a very lucrative living and provide for his family. Because they made a financial plan and stuck with it for four years, they were able to eliminate a future cost for housing. Today, John and Sally can save and invest money of their income, providing financial security for their entire family well into the future. All of these examples prove this truth. If you're willing to do for a few years what others are not, you will achieve more than mere wealth. You will achieve a self-disciplined life which can enable you to do anything. This is the real education we should all pursue. So, is it too late for you? Even if you've been out of high school for many years, it's never too late to start a four-year plan of your own. If you're willing to do whatever it takes to save as much money as possible in order to buy a house and own it free and clear, you can achieve real financial freedom. This is not impossible. Regardless of when you begin this journey, you still must ask yourself the same questions. What will your future look like? What will you choose to do? I encourage you to make your own four-year plan today and find the discipline to pursue the completion of your plan. If you do, I guarantee you, you will be better off financially and be able to weather any financial storm. Good luck. All right, guys. So here's, here's the thing. I think it's very important and it's correct here, right? Your biggest, your biggest uh, monthly uh, outflow is going to be your mortgage. That's going to be one of the things. If you can get rid of that, then everything that you earn after is going to, you know, be the, you know, you can save it and you can add that up to, you know, to, to pursue other things. So one of the, the comments here was, you know, you never own a free and clear house because you always own taxes. But the thing is, is that, you know, if, if you don't have to pay the mortgage, you know, taxes, depending on where you live, you know, can be a small amount of money. You just, you know, save up a little bit of that. So uh, the, here's, uh, I want to just read the comment. Um, the article keeps mentioning own a house free and clear. Even if you don't have a mortgage, you will always have property taxes. Many people's homes are taken away because the property taxes went up and they couldn't afford to pay it. My mom was one of them. I'm not saying to not have the goal of paying off the mortgage, but using the term free and clear is a misnomer. There is no such thing. And so PJ did respond to this one. She said, I get what you mean, but consider this. Once you save enough to buy a house outright, the house itself is free and clear. You would be paying taxes on the property, but the point here is to have no payment at all just for the house. If your property tax is $1,200 a year, that equals $100 a month. The census also reports that the median monthly mortgage payments for U.S. homeowners is $1,200 as of October 2021. Wouldn't you rather pay $100 compared to $1,200 mortgage plus another $100 property tax? The point of doing this is to eliminate the largest payment most people make each month, the monthly mortgage or rent. It is much easier to pay just $100 a month than $1,200 in case something happens to the homeowner. And since one would own it free and clear, it could also be sold for the full payment, giving the homeowner a large sum of cash. Owning a house free and clear gives one more potential choices, one more potential choices and is a valuable asset for any kind of emergency or future plan. All right, so I know that I'm really long on this episode and uh, hopefully it was uh, just provided some thought-provoking material for you um, to one, if you can set up a plan to get out of debt or get out of that mortgage as fast as possible. 
it is it is something that people work to. I mean, you hear if you are a fan of Dave Ramsey, you don't listen, you don't need to listen to Dave Ramsey for very long because it's you know after you listen for like three months, it's all the same thing over and over and over again, right? It's all the same strategies, and you just kind of learn them and and you go for it there. But people are doing it all the time. They're getting rid of their mortgages, and then after that, I mean, it's like you you have that that monthly mortgage payment that you can save, you can invest, you can do whatever you know. You have options. And I really do like that idea of if something was to happen, for instance, if something was to happen to me, then, you know, I bring in, you know, the certain amount of money every month, you know, but if something was to happen to me, you know, could my wife continue on? She could, but it would be uh, a real struggle. But if she didn't have the mortgage payment, things would be a whole lot easier for her. You know, she would only be paying the, the yearly taxes. And so, you know, you have that aspect of it. So I think that is one of those things. The other thing about this this article that I love is the side hustles, the micro businesses, the way people were finding other ways to make money. And there were just so many different ways that people were doing it here. And, you know, I don't know if these people are real or not. I don't know if PJ really knows these people or they're just fictional accounts. Some of you might be saying, oh, yeah, everything just kind of worked out perfectly for them. No, I think there are people out there that make it happen. There are people out there that 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 work hard and they don't come home after a long day's work and just sit and veg in front of the television. They're like, hey, we got a plan. We're, we're working this plan. We we see the future and that's what we want. And so they're, they're making an effort to do that. So I've always said that preppers out there need to have other streams of income. You need to be thinking about those types of things. So you have skills out there. Even if you don't have skills, there are things out there that you can do. So some of these were just like, hey, they found out that there was, you know, I had room to to plant some trees or whatever. And I found out, I talked to a couple of landscapers and I found out which tree everyone uses and you connect with those people and then you, you go from there, right? And so just, there's always ways to bring in extra income. And that's another reason why I really liked these articles here because it kind of gives you some ideas of what people can do. Yeah, it it means living differently than most people. It means living differently than, yeah, just let me come home and and, and veg out and let me stay on social media all, all night long until I fall asleep. It means being determined and focused on where you're going and finding something that you love to do so that you can get to a point where you're, you are financially free and you have these different options later on down in the future, in the, in the near future. All right. So I'm really long on this one. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping it up here, guys. I'm going to link to PJ's store and then I'm going to link to the very front of the store where you can sign up for the email list at the very bottom. And so all the great material that she's providing here, I can only imagine the great uh, email list um, and the great information that she's going to be sharing out there. I have not signed up yet, but I am going to sign up. So by the time you listen to this, I will be signed up. I'm also going to purchase that, um, you know, the take on the, uh, her version of all the products and, and how they, uh, their shelf life and stuff like that, because uh, I want to have that as well. I think that's really interesting. And I think uh, it's just uh, the price is just, it's a, it's a no brainer to be able to start working on the, on this. And so uh, I appreciate everything that she's doing out there and look forward to other articles and and what she's going to provide. So uh, if you have a question for PJ, I'm assuming she is, uh, she did respond to one person out there. So I figure she will respond to other people that leave comments 
on this uh, on this article. So uh, go check that out. I'm going to link to everything so it'll make it really easy for you in the show notes. You can go check that out. Well, guys, that's it for episode 728. Hey, don't forget, if you are new here and you haven't subscribed to the show, then I don't know why you're waiting, right? Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace. <music>